Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page, plus start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Sheila Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak, ace producer Cliff Augustine. It's the Thursday 10. It's the final Philly special episode before the NFC Championship game on Sunday. We will get to your questions. We will finish with our predictions. Benny Souls, I don't know how you feel. I feel like I've spoken roughly 7 million words about this uh, matchup and the championship round weekend this week. So I don't know what else left I have to give, but we'll do our best. Yeah, I I don't wholly feel that way because... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I don't want to like spoil the end of the episode, but like absolutely prepping this Ooh. week has changed my mind about the game. Ooh. So like, uh, yeah, it's, okay. it's been it's been a good week of prep. I've, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. I was gonna I was gonna lead with that because you said you have your process. We've literally spoken to you every day this week, yep. so we've seen the process play out, and now we get the culmination with our game predictions at the end. That will be good. A uh, couple plugs, a little self promotion before we start. One, I wrote a piece on the Eagles for the Ringer, so check that out, theringer.com. And two, I will be covering the game this yeah, buddy. Sunday. So. Got to get a little Instagram plug out there. I know Ben's not on uh, Instagram. Cliff is uh, on Instagram, but you can uh, follow. Whoa, 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 whoa. Cliff You're not on, on Instagram? I thought you Cliff were. Oh, I thought you said I wasn't on Instagram. My bad. No, no, you are. Yeah, what, That's what the fastest no, Cliff has ever unmuted <laughs> in, in the <laughs> history of the show. The quickest <laughs> Cliff hit on mute was like, don't you dare say I'm not. I am on Instagram. Find me on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I'm surprised Ben's not on Instagram, actually. I, I... I'm on no social medias but Twitter. I'm on Twitter because of work. If I could leave Twitter and my work life would not be impacted, the the speed with which my Twitter account would be deleted would blow your mind. 
I don't know if I buy that. You seem to oh, enjoy wait. being very online on Twitter. See, like, before we, God. <laughs> before we get out this whole thing, can I ask you why are you so against uh, Instagram? Well, and, and so it's not particular to Instagram. Um, but like when I was growing up, like when I was in high school, uh, and like Instagram was starting to become a thing, like I was like Facebook time and Twitter was a thing. I didn't, uh, I didn't enjoy it. I don't, I don't really like seeing what everybody's thinking all of the time. Like, I, like, like, Shield brings up that I love being online, and I do. Like, memes are funny, videos are funny. <laughs> I really enjoy a lot of that. But, like, you know, every single time I post a football thought, there's just, like, 20 people who are like, hey, I hate you more than I've ever hated anything before. And that wears on you. It really does. Um, it does. I agree with that. Yeah. I also, like, you know, some people are, 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 are built for that level of social networking, and I'm not. Like, I have, like, a very good friend from high school I love to death. His name is Joe. And every single time I go back home to Pennsylvania, I see him and we get food and I catch up on his life and I treasure that. And if I just followed him on every single social media platform, I'd know all this stuff that I, that I ask him. You know what I'm saying? I would just catch it through, you know, like, uh, like you know, just through osmosis and whatever. And so, like, it's to me, like, I, I, I like being where I am and, and trying to do what I'm doing and not being so, like, always about the connections to like other people that I previously know. Like tw- I spend so much time on Twitter. It, it sucks so much of my time. It, it takes away my attention. It takes away my focus. It takes away like, you know, my happiness sometimes. And so, yeah, like there's parts of it I like absolutely shield and you try to focus on those, but I no, I, you, you will never get me on another social media platform. I'm on one. I'm on, I'm on TikTok now. Cause they're trying to make us do that for work, but I'm resisting that as hard as I can oh, as well. God, no so one has go. reached out to me. They're like, this guy is so old. He has no chance to be able to contribute they anything want to do, on TikTok. They want to and do I appreciate that, whoever. Yeah. Okay. Sure, sure, that's a lie, yo. You can definitely contribute. You got two daughters. Y'all can do some dances. Like, you be, <laughs> yes. You be, right. you be lit on TikTok. Yes. Yeah, you be lit on TikTok. Cliff, uh, if you want people to follow you on Instagram, if you want it personal and don't want to, then that's fine. But if you if you want people to follow, what's the handle? Oh, same as uh, Twitter, the Bull Cliff. I'm the never Bull changing Cliff. it. Never changing it. It's been like that for I don't even know now, probably 13 years or something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's got to remain that way. <laughs> Love it. There you go. Well, I, I like seeing uh, kids, friends, kids on uh, Instagram. So that is the uh, only mm. other one I'm on. That is the best part about being on it. But I will post stuff from the Eagles game, maybe as I'm walking in, maybe uh, afterwards photos, whatever. So you can check that out. And I also post links to all the podcasts we do on there. So you can check that out at Shield Kapadia. All right. Self-promotion over. Nice nice little social media detour there. I do agree with you that this, I, I would like to say that, you know, when somebody makes a negative comment or jabs at you or whatever, oh no, who cares? But I, I agree with you. There are times and then it gets in your head and you're going, why am I spending my time thinking about this? I don't even know who this person is. So it is a, yep. it is a fine line to walk uh, for sure. Not to, uh, not to complain too much. We love our jobs, but that, that is an aspect of it. All right. Let's get, let's get some good vibes going, as Johnny would say. Question number one. He says, I'm getting 2017 vibes for this NFC Championship game. Great defense, unproven QB, coming to the link. Eagles have the best O-line, the best D-line in the league. Do you think the deep ball is the key to the game? And how do the Eagles involve Dallas Goddard? Does Charvarius Ward travel with aj brown so johnny i mean first of all great job getting like seven questions uh into one great ratio here this is high efficiency you 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 duped me i'm leading with it but uh i thought you know in addition to sort of addressing those questions this is a nice jumping off point to just discuss where we are 
with what the Eagles' offensive game plan should be against D'Amico Ryans, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, and this Niners defense. So, Benny Souls, take it wherever you want to go, and then uh, I'll, I'll respond with what I think. Run the football. Run the, run the ball all game. Oh, this man, is WIP. This is going to have you on every show today. Oh yeah, is that, that's a big, that's a big WIP thing. Run the run the damn ball. Yeah, run the football. Uh, if you want to take the wind out of a pass rush, uh, Nick Bosa, run the football. If you want to minimize the impact of a Fred Warner, who Fred's as good of a linebacker as in league period, he's the best linebacker you got. There is not a deficiency in Fred's game, but Fred uh, makes much higher value plays in the passing game than he does in the running game. Where like he's good for a couple TFLs, he's an incredibly physical player, but he's also like six three two thirty. You know what I'm saying? You you can beat him. Uh, run the football directly at this team down the middle. Uh, the Niners are one of the worst teams in the league in terms of rush expected points when opposing offenses are in 12 personnel, two tight ends. Some of that's noise because a lot of times teams are walking that out on third and two, getting a three-yard run, picking up a first down, and that looks great by expected points, right? You brought up this point on, on the previous episode, Shield, that EPA can be tricky for running plays just because it, it, it can be smaller sample and much more highly impacted by like short yardage conversions on third downs and then fumbles. But uh, this is a, a, a Niners team that we talk about this, the Eagles wanting to get into their pass rush front all the time. They want to get into their four down front. They want to get their penetration players on the field. In order to do that on first down, the Eagles play their five man fronts, right? They play the run stopping front, try to get the third and long. The Niners do not do that. The Niners say, we want this front on the field on all three downs. Uh, 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 the first five first and tens that I would have on script would be run, not RPO. Are and then and I would want to I would want to see if I can move the ball uh, between the middles. That's how you 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 deal with 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 stopping Nick Bosa when you have to pass right. You're going to be in a position where they might play a little bit of hide and seek with him, but I imagine they're just generally going to leave him lined up and let him play. I go you go one on one to start like he's he's an extremely good rusher, but Hertz is a solid a solid sack avoider, and you got two good tackles. You know if if, if you need help, he needs help. You figure it out over the course of the game. But I don't think you have to walk in and say, like, you know, it, it's it's uh, Chiefs-Bucks Super Bowl from three years ago. We're like, every the entire game plan has got to be built on helping our offensive line. Offensive line's big boys. They can handle it. Uh, Charvarius Ward, shadow A.J. Brown. No. Ward doesn't usually shadow. He did it, like, once for a, a, a Seahawks game, the second one they played in the regular season. But generally, he doesn't shadow. I don't expect him to. Um, What else did he ask? Goddard. Do you... Do you Goddard, and do you think they can like get get a deep deep ball explosive play? Uh, uh, Rob did a good job, kind of talking about yeah. that during yesterday. One hundred percent, yes. Too. And somebody had on Twitter. I was looking for it this morning. I couldn't find it. So my apologies. If you remember, please hit me up on Twitter, uh, the one social media platform I'm on. But somebody made the point uh, <laughs> that the Eagles have a lot of explosive plays very early in the game as well. On their first drive, they tend to walk out yes. and have dialed up right Day away. Nance? I think that might have been Daynez who had that tweet. It usually or is. He was it was tweeting smart. somebody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, looking for that early explosive, right? The uh, you want to, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to use the phrase "set a tone," and that's a that's a phrase that gets you know like investigated by like nerds, and we debate how much it's real or whatever. But you want to set a tone. Mm -hmm. Home home conference championship game in the link against a really good Niners team. Go run, 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 shot, and score, and that was that immediate. In, like information to do Econ Ryan's in this defense. Hey, we could walk this down the field on you, 16 plays, 80 yards if we want, and hey, we can take it right now if we want. 
could be a long day. Uh, and so to me, like that's that absolutely has to be the model is run, run, run shot to start. I don't want to be in standard drop back. Uh, then the Eagles are rarely in standard drop back, but I don't want to be in like second and five and I'm trying to throw the football. I don't want to be inviting potential third and longs where like the Niners pass rush package is so terrifying. Their blitz looks are incredible. Like the Eagles do not want to be in third and long against this defense. It's a nightmare to handle for everybody, let alone for the Eagles who struggle with blitz pickups at times. Uh, this is a, uh, you want to avoid that third and long. So to me, this is run, run, run shot. And I would do that until they make me stop. Okay. I like that a lot to chew on there. I think the 49ers are going to be very aggressive in this game. Uh, you know, in terms of blitz frequency, they're around middle of the pack. I think a little below average. I think they'll be above what they usually do uh, in this game. I think they'll want to come after Jalen Hurts and uh, and this Eagles offense. I don't think they're going to play conservatively. That's just not in their DNA anyway. So uh, I do agree with you that slowing down uh, Bosa, the pass rush early, is a nice key. So I think maybe you hit them with a screen Early, maybe a little Dallas Goddard screen, one of the first few plays. I would like to see Hertz keep the ball on a run early to kind of send that message. Listen, it's we're not saving anything up. This is the NFC Championship game. Maybe a little, maybe Coach Flynn's favorite run play, the old zone read bluff where the tight end's coming across. You think he's going to hit Bosa, but no, he's releasing into space. Reed, and Jalen yeah. Hertz is keeping the football there. So I, I think something like that. Makes sense to me early. You want to kind of slow down Bosa's eyes, keep him thinking a little bit of what they did to Parsons in that first uh, in that first matchup against the Cowboys. So those are a couple things I'm looking at early. And I think the passing game, yeah, it's always, I said it yesterday, it's all about outside the numbers uh, against those corners, your wide receivers, comebacks, outbreaking routes. I think that's where they're going to be vulnerable. And I agree with you. Uh, certainly taking a shot mm -hmm. uh, against them early on makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah, I'll be interested to see you talk about comeback and outbreaking routes. Against the Cowboys, the Niners outside corners didn't live with a lot of fear, right? And they, they were really willing to and, and, and aggressive driving down on some of those comeback routes, right? Some of those, those routes into the sideline. Cowboys got them on a couple and then got them on a couple uh, uh, double moves, right? And that's what you're going to get. When you, when you got CD Lamb and you got a talented group. But in general, they didn't fear the Cowboys receivers enough to say, like, we have to give them cushion on these stop routes because we have to worry about going deep. I'll be curious to see how they play against the Eagles. You look across the course of their film, generally they don't fear anybody enough to say, like, we're going to make sure we give you cushion, right? Like, they sometimes they'll press, sometimes they won't. But if they're not pressing, they're sitting at five yards, they're waiting for you to come to them, and then they're going to collision and they're going to play in your cylinder. They're going to play attached to wide receivers. I haven't really seen a film this year of, of, a, of a group of wide receivers that they've been too worried about that they don't play that way. And they've gotten burned for it, right? Uh, Devontae Adams being the guy who comes to mind. So we'll, I'll see. I'll be curious to see if, if, you know, it's hard to get to the NFC Championship game and stop dancing with the one that brought you. But it's it, yeah. it's it's a challenging thing to say. Charvarius Ward, who I've, I like, Ward's incredible. I think Ward's really really good. But Charvarius Ward, Diamondor Lenore, Jimmy Ward, we're gonna go against Devontae, AJ Brown, and we're gonna play in these guys' cylinders the whole game. That's that's tough. These are very physical and talented route runners the Eagles have. So I'll be surprised to see if they give them a little bit. Of, I'll be interested to see if they give them a little bit of cushion to start. Uh, final note on your your you know uh, Jalen Hurts zone read. I I very much agree. When I say run an R, I'm happy for that R to be read option. It just okay. got to be. Not RPO. Run, run. Yeah, I want this offensive line coming off the ball downhill. I don't want to be worried about first and 15 because of ineligible. a stupid, ineligible man downfield <laughs> penalty. Because instead of just running read option, we ran read option with a little like A.J. Brown screen and then Jalen Hurts threw it. And then like, you know, Isaac Samuel was a yard and a half downfield. Like, 
you want to get vertical on this team. And when I say vertical, I mean with, with the offensive line. They're going to one gap with penetration players. I want Jason Kelsey to put his left shoulder and Randy Dickerson to put his right shoulder into J- Javon Kinlaw, and I want them to walk him four yards down the field because they can. The Eagles line can do this, and the Niners line has been susceptible to it. If you're calling RPO, they can't do that. They have to be slow to the block. They have to stay within the the, the one yard, right, at least until they know it's run. If you just run straight read option, they can push. And that, the Eagles need to let their line go and, and, and be vertical, be strong against this, this Niners front. Yeah, watching that Giants film, I was thinking when I first started uh, writing about football in Philadelphia, the Eagles drafted Jason Kelsey. And so it's just been like sort of fun to watch as I'm uh, doing different things. And he is just the center of the Philadelphia Eagles and watching him play in that game. Like, I don't think it's hyperbole to say he's never played better than he's played this season. It sounds crazy. He's 34, he's 35 Mm -hmm. years old, even sort of the old thing about, well, you know, big uh, nose tackles can give him problems. Like, yes, that was true for a point. That like does not happen a lot uh, anymore with Jason Kelsey. He has just been uh, such an animal, both in He's, the run game and pass right. pro and space and everything he does. That uh, it's it's incredible to not show any signs of decline at, at this stage in his career. When you go to list offensive weapons in this game, you have to include Kelsey. That's my favorite thing. Is he the Eagles use him like a weapon? He's their sixth skill position player. Just then, like. That no center in the league is just doing more things, moving yeah. around as much, changing stuff. He's a legitimate weapon. They design plays because they have Kelsey. Incredible. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And then the question about, uh, I this one came up actually multiple times from listeners about the comparison to 2017. I actually looked back to see what I wrote leading up to that game yeah. uh, against the the Vikings, and because I I don't I don't remember anything. Some people, you know, you have like uh, you can remember every game you've watched or covered or played. Like I remember literally nothing beyond uh, what I put in this smoothie to my left this morning. So that year, the Vikings were second in defensive DVOA. Uh, they were a historically great. Third down defense. Linvel Joseph, by the way, was on that team, which yeah. I forgot until I read what I wrote. Uh, they were fifth <laughs> in offensive DVOA, but they were doing it with Case Keenum. So you were kind of watching it going, is this something that's sustainable, that can last? They had Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Uh, and, I, and I wrote there that up front is where the Eagles have an advantage. And I think when I read that, I was like, that could be similar in this game. I predicted a 17-16 Eagles win in that game. Obviously, Close. Almost was, had it. Yeah, that was not the final score, but uh, I don't think it's a bad comparison. I mean, the 49ers, by every statistical metric, has been one of the best teams in the NFL at the same time, if you're an Eagles. And I feel like Eagles fans are very confident. I don't, I don't know how you feel, uh, Ben. We'll, we'll get your prediction, but just from the people you interact with, I feel like Eagles fans are... Um, you know, more confident in this game than I remember them in a big game that has a two and a half point spread, maybe 
in my lifetime. I don't know if that's, hey, the Super Bowl had some kind of effect, if it's just they've watched this team every year and they, there's a trust factor with this team. But uh, I think that comparison is not a bad one if you have some doubt about whether this 49ers team with Brock Purdy can really go toe-to-toe with you at home in the championship game. So I don't think that's a bad comparison. Yeah, I agree. Eagles fans are extremely confident, which I understand why. It's not undeserved. I would just say it's, you know, it Niners are really, really uncomfortable. Yeah, it makes you uncomfortable. But also, like, the Niners are an extremely, extremely good team. The Niners are, without question, the best team the Eagles will play this year. The Niners are, like, I, I'd, I don't think they're a cut above the Cowboys. But let's remember, the Eagles played the Cowboys twice, split them 1-1, and, like, beat them with their backup and then lost with our backup in like games that were like you know could have been gone either way and or like the second one could have gone either way whatever just to say like like this is an extremely good football team the eagles are also extremely good we have we're, we've moved past the stage where being extremely good predicts victory now it's about can you get a little stuff right can you do the game planning stuff can you get the lucky bounces this is late january football you, you can't you can never be confident not allowed <laughs> Question number two. Matt says, I'm so glad this podcast was greenlit considering the seasons the Phillies mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the Eagles have had. Yes, here we know how to pick them. My gosh, what a, what a great thank year goodness, to launch thank a goodness we were special here. podcast. Yeah, that's right. Uh, my question, which game script is the one the 49ers have the better chance of beating the Eagles with? 40 pass attempts or 40 rush attempts. And again, we can just kind of use this to discuss how the Niners will attack the Eagles, uh, what the Eagles defensive game plan will be. Uh, Just a point of reference, the Niners have passed 47.5% of the time on early downs and neutral situations with Purdy, just to kind of put that, that's per RBSMD. Uh, To put that into perspective, that would rank about 26th if we extended it over the entire season. So, you, mm-hmm. you know, if, you're, if your head is telling you this is a run-heavy team uh, on early downs, uh, that would be correct. Not the most run-heavy team, but certainly they lean in that direction. So with always with these questions, the answer is 40 rush attempts because if the Niners got the 40 rush attempts, it means they were salting away the game for the entire Something second Something went half. horribly wrong yeah, exactly. if they run the Nin- ball 40 times. Yeah, if they're running the ball that much, it means they're protecting the lead. Uh, we're in a bad spot. Uh, so it's that if we are saying, you know, what sort of a, 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 you know, kind of dominant game plan are we more worried about? Like, I think you're, you're more worried about the passing game overall. Rob did a good job yesterday talking about how, like, yeah, like the numbers in the running game, like look good. But this kind of like, you know, this isn't the running game of Shanahan years past. And I agree with him. Uh, I don't think a dominant 49ers passing game looks like 40 pass attempts, though. I think it looks like. 11 yards per attempt right like the thing about the Niners is that they can turn one pass attempt that wasn't even supposed to go for 60 yards into a pass attempt that goes for 60 yards because if they hit you know uh, like the, the the play that I want folks to remember is the Christian Watson touchdown against Reed Blankenship against the Packers right that play is what like the Niners have built the ship to do is like let's get a guy who is that fast moving that fast and hit him 10 yards down the field, right? When, when we talk about, like, 
why is this offense so dangerous? It's because when the Eagles look for like yards after the catch plays, right? They throw the ball three yards behind the line of scrimmage. When the Niners look for yards after the catch play, they throw the ball 15 yards past the line of scrimmage. It's an 18 yard difference already <laughs> when they're looking for their yak plays, right? And like the Niners throw their screens as well. But it's to say they have that ability of that Christian Watson catch and run. Say, oh, uh, you know, it's first and 10. Purdy, play action fake. He throws over the middle. Debo Samuel. Debo breaks a tackle. Debo's at the 50. Boom. Like it, that's how they can score on you. So you're more worried about a dominant passing game, even though it doesn't look like 40 pass attempts, right? It looks like high yards per attempt, high completion percentage, and they score 17 for 23 for 220 yards or something like that. Absolutely right. No interceptions, two two touchdowns, no picks, two sacks. that didn't mean anything like, you know, that, that, that's the, the framework they're concerned about. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think, you know, like, like I had the same note. Yeah, if they're running it 40 times, <laughs> you probably you lost the game and it wasn't close and things went horribly wrong for you. So uh, certainly drop. Now, if he drops back to pass that many times, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be that high. The more he drops back to pass in my, you know, the more likely it is that the Eagles are able to produce a negative play, whether mm-hmm. that's a sack, whether that's a takeaway. If he's having to do, if you get a lead early and those numbers for his pass attempts do get very high, uh, I think that. That's a nice game script for the Eagles because I think they'll be able to tee off a little bit, do different things with their pass rush and force him into some mistakes. If either one of these offenses come out with like first and 10, four wide, running stick, I'm going to punch him. Either one. It's just (laughs) not. This is clearly for both offenses versus both defenses, a like run until they show you that they can't that they can stop it. Run until they show you that, that, that you really can't walk the, the, the ball down the field on them. The Eagles, because that's a big advantage for them in, in the offense, and then the Niners, because that's the weakness of the Eagles' defense, right? And, like, I, if I were Kyle Shanahan, I also would not want my first drive to include lots of, like, Brock Purdy reading the field when he's playing in the link on the road in the NFC Championship yeah. game prime time in that environment. So I expect that... I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a low-scoring first quarter for that reason. I think there's going to be a little bit of feeling it out, setting the tone, seeing how we can run the football. And then I think things will open up as, as we get through the game. A couple purdy notes. Um, I think I can't remember. We, we've done uh, about 17 podcasts together this week, so I don't know which one we said it on, whether it was this one or the Ringer NFL feed. But uh, I think we both felt like the idea that he's getting extremely lucky with the with dropped interceptions. We thought that was a little overstated. Like there That was extra been. point taken, yeah. That was extra point taken. So I looked up some of these numbers. Uh, Pro Football Focus does this thing called turnover-worthy plays, which uh, I, I don't know. I wish I wish it was just dropped interceptions, to be uh, quite honest, because I don't know what else goes into that. But uh, he has a turnover-worthy play percentage of 2.6%, which is ninth best out yeah, of 41 bad. quarterbacks. So the idea that he's had, you know, crazy luck with some of these dropped interceptions does not really reflect it in the numbers. And then the other thing, which we talked about yesterday, which I really think could define the game is what is he doing when he's holding on uh, to the football, when he holds on to the football for more than three seconds, he has the second best EPA per play in the NFL behind Patrick Mahomes. But when you watch it, in my opinion, at least a lot of those could go either way where he's spinning out, he's throwing the ball away at just the, just the right time. Like I'm not saying that that's something 
something that he's definitely going to be doing well. I think that could end up being, uh, the, there could end up being negative plays when he does that. But I do think right. that's a big factor here. Is he spinning out of trouble and finding George Kittle for 29 yards? Or is he spinning out of trouble and doesn't see Hassan Reddick coming from the backside and you have a, a sack fumble and that totally changes the game. Like I think there's going to be two, three of those plays throughout the course of the game that go a long way in kind of defining which way the game goes. Yeah, the issue with your three over three second time to throw is that it's catching bootlegs. Yeah, it's catching two things, right? It's catching bootlegs and it's catching out of structure. Bootlegs for Kyle Shanahan just generally assumed to be good, right? And like I don't even think Purdy, Purdy's probably one of the worst bootleg quarterbacks he's had. And still, like I think you generally assume that that's a good play for the Niners. It's the second reaction stuff where. He 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 lives on the edge. I'll I'll never forget watching that Buccaneers film. I did a video on it for the Ring of YouTube after that film, and I was like, "This guy's kind of nuts, man. Like this is not like whenever we a, a Kyle quarterback steps in, we expect him to just be like, Kyle, please tell me what to do, and if I don't know what to do, I'm going to do the safest thing possible because I'm scared out here right. if you're not telling me what to do." Brock, and you're going to yell at me. Yeah, Brock's got some dip <laughs> on his ship. He's got some gumption, man. I mean, he is extremely aggressive uh but i so so he lives on a razor's edge he's absolutely trying to create plays as if he was like aaron Rodgers, and it's like you are brock purdy you gotta chill brother but at the same time i've been very impressed over the last few weeks how good he is at getting a throwaway off which sounds really dumb but is actually really important pressure outside of the pocket you can do one of four things one of three things really sack interception an incomplete pass via like throwaway, right? Or like inaccurate pass right during the football, whatever. By a mile, throwaway is the best of the three. Sack and, and interception are objectively negative plays. Throwaway incompletion, negative, but so much smaller. And you're erasing a huge negative. So in that way, you're kind of gaining a positive. And his ability to just like see a rusher in front of him, feel the rusher coming behind him, see if he can get it to Ayuk, realize he can't flip his hips and get his arm to a slot where it's not getting hit so he can throw it down the field and avoid intentional grounding. Like that's a legitimate skill. That's like when we talk about poise, that's a very real thing. So a big thing for the Eagles in this game is uh, you can get to Purdy, you can affect Purdy, you can tackle him. None of that is an issue. When he's going to throw the ball away, can you affect the arm? Right? Can you because he does a good job with like ball security? Remember when Carson Wentz always hold the ball with one hand in the pocket? He does a good yes. job with ball security, but uh, when he, he gets to those throwaways, he's doing it with a lot of bodies around him. Can you affect the, the 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 arm? Right? Can you get the ball up in the air? Can you get a forced fumble? Can you generate a turnover that way? What's the uh, what's the origin story of dip on dip on the chip? W- what does that mean exactly? He has dip on the chip. You, I probably should have asked you this like yeah. three months ago, but sometimes I just uh, let it go. But when you met, you haven't used it in a while. I feel like you just mentioned mm-hmm. it, and so you know this is probably going to end up being a seven hour podcast. So we might as well get to it now. Yeah, there is a vine. You know, a vine is there, Shield? Oh yeah, that, that I thought that doesn't exist anymore. Vine is vine still a thing? It doesn't exist anymore, no. Like, TikTok okay. is like, you know, the reincarnation, if you gotcha. will. Gotcha, okay. But there's a very famous vine of a man, I don't know the context at all, but it's just zoomed straight in on his face, and he's got a little bit of a country drawl to him, and he just goes, whoa, whoa, brother, whoa, 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 you got too much dip on your chip. And it's just him, okay. like, it's just, right, it's just some sort of idiom of being like, you know, you gotta chill out. So Brock's got a little dip on his chip, right? He's, he's, he's again, like, think about it. When you go in with that frail Tostitos, and you're going in for a lot of sour cream and onion dip, like... That is that's 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 a that's a, a tenuous moment. You gotta you gotta they gotta be in the clutch there to get that done without breaking the chip off. So he's got a little dip on his chip. 
sour cream and onion dip you went. See, we are a uh, like a taco dip uh, family. My right. dad makes a great one. Honestly, and would have been a better metaphor because family. you have to worry about the weight of the black olive, obviously. Yeah. yeah made sense. I don't, oh, I can't stand olives. No, he actually will make half of it or a section of it without the olive. For, you know, his only son. You know, he's, oh, he's, right, he's, yeah, yeah. He, he's got a uh, hook the up. So, yeah, I don't, I don't like the olive. Then my wife's family is big on the... Is it a French onion? Like you, the one where you eat yeah. it with a potato chip? Okay, yeah. yeah so they, that's they a good dip. love a dip. We just finished uh, Only Murders in the Building, where I think the, the guy only, Martin Short only eats dips, I think. I forget. <laughs> There's something about dips. Clearly, uh, you paid in that show. strong attention <laughs> to the show. Uh, yeah, I, I was about to shout it out. Cliff put it in the chat Buff Chick Dip, which is the prime dip, which I'm having this Sunday for the championship games. Okay, there you go. Very good. Oh, last thing I wanted to ask you about this. So uh, we know that the Niners. We know Purdy wants to throw the ball in the middle of the field. So I think it's worth kind of exploring what are the tactics. You know, it's easy to say, we'll take away the middle of the field. You know, force him to throw it to the outside. What are the tactics the Eagles can use to make him yeah. do that? A couple that uh, I've got written down here. One would be, you know, third down, do you play a little robber coverage where you, you swing one of those players into the middle of the field, take away some of those in-breaking routes if you're playing man coverage. That's one. Uh, another, dropping the ends a little bit. We've talked about this. been a theme all season long. Fran Duffy had a good breakdown in the Eagles defense from last week where that was part of their game plan. You drop those ends on occasion, take away some of those slants, those first reads, make Brock Purdy uh, hold on to the football. What are the other tools that Jonathan Gannon can do if on his list this week he's thinking, uh, you know, uh, take away the middle of the field? Yeah, so you brought up robber coverage, right? So when we talk about cover one robber, we're talking about one safety playing deep middle and then one safety playing the low hole, right? So think about deep middle, but if it were in the intermediate area, right? Not as deep down the field, that, that middle hole. And when, when, it's, when we say robber coverage, we're almost exclusively talking about man coverage. And we know the Eagles don't like to live in a man coverage role. They don't like to be a man coverage team. And it's tough to be a man coverage team against the Niners. You've got to chase a bunch of motion, and you got to deal with Debo and Ayuk and Kittle. Those are difficult matchups. But the visual that I want everybody to have in terms of robber coverage is that of two safeties deep pre-snap. And then when you go to play cover one robber, one of those safeties goes deep middle, and then the other drops down. He comes off the roof and comes down into the low hole. And that motion of bringing a safety from depth into the intermediate area is that's the activity that you want. You want and you want to change which safety it is, but you want to bring him into that area. Because what that's doing is instead of having a linebacker, TJ Edwards, try to read run, realize it's pass, and then sink back into the intermediate crosser where, where, where like Debo's coming over the middle of the field, sink back with his back to Debo Samuel and try to figure out where that route is and where the window is while he's looking at Brock Purdy. Instead of him having to move backwards, when you bring a safety down to that crosser, he's got his eyes on everything. He can see Debo, he can see the quarterback, he, the, the entire picture of the play is in front of him. So what you're going to see from the Eagles is you're going to see a, a lot of their pre-snap quarters alignment, right? Two safeties deep, one will be a little bit deeper than the other. And, and typically, right, they're going to like when it's Reed and Marcus Epps, they're going to try to play Marcus Epps free and they're going to try to play Reed strong. They kinda, they're, they're, they're happy switching those guys up, though. Uh, and they'll have that safety step down into that intermediate hole behind which they can play cover three, one deep middle safety and then leave the corners deep on the outside. Or you can play quarter, quarter, half, right, where you're going you're gonna to play with a deep half safety and then you're going to play quarters on the other side. 
it, a lot of it is based off of formation. A lot of it's based off like, all right, the Niners are in three by one. And when they're in three by one, they like to do this. Niners are in two by one. And when they're in two by one, they like to do this. A lot of it's about who's aligned where, right? Okay, they like to run their their crossers to Brandon Ayuk. He's on the outside right now, so it's probably not going to happen. Oh, he's in the slot right now. It's probably going to happen. So a lot of it is, is formation based. But the activity that you want is that safety stepping down into the hole. If you're asking your linebackers to sink and take that away after reading runs, stepping into the line of scrimmage, you're you're up the creek without a paddle. You gotta have a safety step down and take it. Which this is not a you know a new thing that they would need to implement uh, this week. This is something we've seen them do uh, throughout the season. It's just a matter of calling it or using it as a tool a little bit more in this game. All right, question number three from Dave. Last week was a good reminder of how good our coaching has been all year. If you factor in game management, we absolutely have the coaching edge on Sunday. If you remove game management, I say the coaching matchup is a coin flip. Agree or disagree on both. What do you think in terms of the coaching matchup one if you include everything two if you remove game management out of it which we talked about yesterday with Rob I think game management is the biggest advantage the Eagles have and I think with it they're the better coaching staff I think without it they're not I think it's close uh if we're doing just offensive coaching staffs yeah I mean like I to me like Kyle's number one overall but like in terms of how they performed this season it's pretty tight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think the difference is, is, is there, but it's, it's relatively negligible. Defensively, I think there's a, a, a substantial difference. You know, I, uh, Nick Sirianni's impassioned defense of John Gannon after the Giants wildcard win aside, which was just a great moment for everybody. Uh, Gannon has, over the course of his career in Philadelphia, struggled against playoff caliber quarterbacks and playoff caliber passing games. I don't think Brock is Derek Carr or Dak Prescott or these other, you know, kind of tier three, tier two quarterbacks who've had really good games against Gannon's defense. I think the Eagles defense has improved. I think you brought up a great point, Shiel, uh, early in the week where you said they, they, they coached about as game planning, about as bespoke, as individual of, of a game against the Giants as they had all season. I very much agree with that. I just, I don't have enough data of John Gannon in the playoffs against, you know, top playoff offenses walking out with extremely good game plans. Usually they just walk out with kind of their stuff. Like even when they had the uh, the, the win against the Vikings in week two, like, oh, that's a playoff caliber offense. That was a great offense. It was. They also got like three picks in the red zone. You know what I'm saying? And like they, they, they still, like Kirk and Justin Jefferson in that pass game had the ability to process the football. And it was just they, they, they were getting stops in the red zone, which is great. Like that's awesome. But in general, uh, when, when the Eagles defense plays passing games of this caliber, they struggle. And we don't see Gannon make enough adjustments impactfully soon enough in games for that not to be the case. D'Amico Ryans, who's a defense coordinator for the 49ers, is also kind of like a lineup and play our stuff. But he, over the course of the season, has just simply done more in terms of changing what they do week in, week out to clue into what the opposing offense are doing and take away certain things. And sometimes he's wrong. Like they got boat raced by Kansas City, they got boat raced by the Raiders. Like I, I think the Eagles are going to score quite a few points on the Niners. I really do. I just think the defensive coaching staff edge between D'Amico and Gannon is too much to ignore if we're taking game management out. Yeah, I, I, I agree with the game management thing, thing uh, no doubt about it. You can listen to the uh, Ringer NFL feed on the scramble. I was on there and talking about that a little more in depth with uh, Kyle Shanahan there. So uh, if You we had Kyle on. Man- 
Oh, big no, get for oh, that, San Francisco week. Is that what I said? You said with Kyle Shanahan <laughs> at the end. Yeah, yeah. And it, sound, it sounded like that's what you were talking about. about. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if we remove game management, I think it's close. I mean, I, I agree with you that I'm giving the Niners a slight edge. For me, it's mostly, uh, you know, D'Amico Ryan's last year, the Niners had one of the most injured defenses in the NFL, and they had a top five defense. And so anyone who listens to me knows that when I look at coaches, who is doing more with less, he was doing more with less could even make the argument you know this year who has more talent the Eagles defense or the Niners defense overall I think it's the Eagles defense and the Mm -hmm. Niners defense uh just performed a little bit better statistically there so I would give them an edge there uh and I would agree with Shanahan I mean I don't have Shanahan on like this uh this level above everybody else like you kind of said you do and I know a lot of people do I mean I'm putting Andy Reid right there I know Sean McVay right now is like in the dump but Sean McVay uh, did a lot of good stuff with Jared Goff and then won a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford and was consistently building great offenses there I mean even you look at this year like a like a guy like a Ben Johnson on the Lions I mean if you just look at DVOA they were better than the Niners that's like a no contest which team was more talented, which offense was more talented. So I think he's up there. Don't get me wrong. Third NFC championship in four seasons. The offenses, I mean, you do that with Garoppolo and now Purdy. There's no doubt that's impressive. That is doing more with less. Uh, And so I would give him a little bit of an edge there over the Eagles offensive staff just because they haven't done it for a long enough uh, period of time. All right. Question number four. Ryan asks, I haven't watched enough 49ers this year to have a strong sense of what to expect out of Purdy. Would the Eagles be more scared of a full, healthy Jimmy G or this version of Brock Purdy? What do you think? I struggled with this one a lot. Did you have an easy answer? Well, uh, yeah, I think this version of Brock Purdy is more high variance uh, than Jimmy G. And I don't even know if that's right. That's what I wrote down, and now that I'm saying it, I'm like, Yeah, see, that's the thing is like, at my first thought, I was like, yeah, like, like Brock's more like variable. And then I was like, but also Jimmy like had three or four plays a game where he was actively he playing for the other Jimmy team. Jimmy had more yeah. clunkers. Yeah. yeah, he had more absolute clunkers where like your team cannot win this game because he's playing so poorly. That hasn't happened yet for Brock Purdy. Maybe it will happen uh, eventually. I think this, I, I hate to keep coming back to the second reaction stuff. I'm not making Brock Purdy out to be, you know, like uh, Russell Wilson in his prime or anything like that. But there's just like a hint of an element of that that has helped the 49ers, I think, with Purdy where Jimmy G, I'm sure, Kyle Shanahan anytime he you know Garoppolo was holding the ball for more than three seconds or trying to make a play Shanahan was probably nearly moved to tears so I think the lows are lower with uh Garoppolo based on what we've seen so far again small sample um Mm -hmm. and I think maybe that little element that Purdy gives you so uh, I think it would be close I think if you're an Eagles fan because there's some more unknown and uncertainty with Brock Purdy that maybe if you like to just have your pick, you would rather face Garoppolo because you kind of know exactly uh, what you're going to get there. I would, I think I would rather face Garoppolo, which is nuts. I also think that's a dumb thing to say. However, I think that's who I would rather face. Just like that. Right. The devil, you know, aspect of it is, is legitimate. It's just like with Jimmy, everybody in the league knows what Jimmy's about and what he's, what he's not about, what he can, he can't get away with. And then you should be able to coach that. You should be able to defensively game plan around that and be successful with Brock. There's just right. Like it is so much more likely with Brock Purdy at quarterback that you get in a call that beats the Niners and they still get a good play out of it. Then with Jimmy, where if you got in a call to beat the offense, it was just so extremely unlikely 
then yeah. they survived that. So if you like if you as as the Eagles coaching staff say, I believe us to be a good team, I believe us to be a well coached team, I believe us to have the advantage over the Niners, then you'd rather have Jimmy. If you as as an Eagles team are like this t- this offense is incredible, it's going to score 30 on us no matter what, then you'd rather have Brock so he can make some bad plays, but I don't think the Eagles feel that way. And so, yeah, I I somehow It's would a re- tough one. Yeah. Jimmy, you know, it would be his third NFC Championship game in five years, and this is an, a rookie in the seventh round, so it's crazy to say, but I think I'd rather play Jimmy. Yeah, someone asked uh, on the scramble on the Ringer NFL feed, would the Niners still be in the NFC Championship game with Garoppolo? And I think the answer is yes there. I mean, I think yeah. they would have beat these teams uh, in the playoffs, and you'd still be facing them if Garoppolo was healthy. All right, five, Salty Eagles fan. He leads with the sentence that I'm just telling you, if you want your question to be answered, love the pod and the article Shield wrote on the Eagles. I mean, like mm. 100% your game. I mean, if you would have said you were from like Spain or something, Salty Eagles fan, I mean, I would have probably led with this question. All right. He says, kind of a two-part question, but how is this Niners pass rush so good despite the lack of depth they seem to have at D-line? Could the Eagles expose the lack of depth by running the ball and tiring them out? Let me give you some numbers here because the numbers would actually suggest that there's something to that that maybe they're a little bit overrated if you're looking at just their defensive line and their pass rush they are 14th in pressure rate they are 15th in sack rate bosa we talk about brandon thorne uh, the great trench warfare substack he charts every sack 12 of uh, bosa sacks this year he charted as either low quality uh, coverage sack or a cleanup sack, and he does this uh, sack score, and Bosa was fifth among edge rushers, so still a great player. Yes, no doubt about it. On another tier than everybody else, you know, maybe not. Uh, so that that's their leading guy, obviously. Beyond that, they've got Charles Omenehu, who was arrested on suspicion of misdemeanor domestic violence this week. Kyle Shanahan said yesterday he will still play in this game, he's second with six and a half sacks. Samson Ebicom is third with six sacks. No other player has more than three. So uh, it's it's sort of different uh, than we talked about the Eagles at the beginning of the season where they, we said, hey, they might not have that one guy who you have to game plan for, but their strength is going to be in numbers. I mean, it turned out Reddick's numbers really were up there with anybody, but still, that was the case. Four guys with more than 10 sacks. The Niners, I think, are different. I think they've got uh, Bosa, who is the number one guy you game plan for, and then they've got other guys who are solid, good players who could absolutely impact the game, but I think the talent level and the production is not uh, on the on par with what we've seen from the Eagles this year. What do you think? Yeah, I would say that uh, a quick brush over the names of the 49ers defensive line makes it seem less deep than it is, right? Like uh, Nick Bosa has 18 and a half sacks. Samson Ebukam has five sacks. So, you know, bleh. but Bosa is at 18.8% pressure rate and Ebukam is at 12.6. Like Ebukam not to sneeze at, you know, like, like he's an effective outside rusher. Uh, uh, Eric Armstead, who's like numbers this year have not been that great on the interior is still a, a, a dangerous interior player to deal with. You know what I'm saying? And like he's been a good player for a long time. He's yeah. A really good player. He gets and and, and those are the names that you know, but like they've gotten good play out of a meta who, who is like a trade acquisition for them has been just a, a, a solid interior rusher and they move him around. Drake Jackson who has been a rookie for them has had good moments. So firstly, like I would say just like the names don't look it because the Niners have gone kind of like cheap and veteran free agent along the defensive line. And the reason they've done that is because their defensive line, Chris Kosarek, is the 
night, uh, you know, Twilight version of Jeff Stoutland. Every single guy who plays for this guy plays better than he did wherever else he was. They're and all that's where you go to yeah. get your numbers up and then sign a big contract the next Absolutely, year. Absolutely, right? And so while the names don't look good, I would say their pass rush as a whole is better than the sum of its parts, better than it looks. Some of these names are performing better than they seem. The other thing is that uh, the Eagles have such a, a deep pass rush such, such that they pretty much always line up their guys and go. It's very rare that they blitz. And when they blitz, it, it's, it's you know, particularly they send like one guy. Uh, and it's very rare that they stunt and twist. And when they, they stunt and twist, you know, they're doing it in clear passing situations. The Niners, right, have insane pressure rates on guys like Aziz El Shair, who's their third linebacker, Fred Warner, Talano Hufanga, who's their strong safety who grew up idolizing Troy Polamalu and multiple times against the Cowboys just anticipated the snap count, went off script, and just blitzed a wide open gap and destroyed a play. Uh, they are a they aren't a high blitz rate team. Uh, even on like third down, where I expect them to be up there, they're not that high. But when they blitz, somebody gets home at disproportionate rates. They are very good at getting the free rusher in the blitz look. And, and it, as we saw, like, you know, many of these plays were broken down by a ton of different people over the course of the week. They'll put those, those blitz looks up there, and then they'll bail out of them, and they have the linebackers to do that and catch you, catch you in the wrong reads, the wrong hots, right, the wrong adjustments to the blitz. So pass rush names, not so scary. But I'd argue the players are a little bit better than they seem. And then the multiplying factors of Chris Kosarek, who's an extremely good coach, and D'Amico Ryans, who's as good of a blitz designer as you're going to find in the league, means that this is still a defensive front to be scared of on third down. There you go. I would agree with that. All right. Number seven. Oh, no. Sorry. Number six. Jason says, there are a lot of great individual player versus player matchups in this game. Lane Johnson versus Bosa. Hertz and Kelsey versus Fred Warner. Slay and Bradbury versus Debo and Ayuk. Uh, Reddick versus McGlinchey. Which one, if the Eagles, I thought this was a very good question. Which one, if the Eagles win it, gives them the best chance to win this game. So I, Roger Goodell calls you up. He says, listen, I can make some stuff happen in the league you don't know about. You've been saying nice things about the NFL on the extra point taken pod. Uh, ben, what matchup do you want the Eagles to win because you think it will lead to an Eagles victory in this game? Which one are you telling him? Uh, Slay Bradbury, Ver- Kittle, Ayuk, or Slay Bradbury versus Debo, Ayuk, not a question. That's that's the number one thing. If, if I can turn this team this Niners offense into an offense that does not have their big play walking receivers winning one-on-one matchups. They're losing contested catches. They're getting tackled right when they catch the football. I think I can beat this team. No question in my mind. Uh, I would like to win all the other matchups. All of those would also help. But to me, this one's the crown jewel. The other thing that's suggested by this matchup is that the Eagles are allowing those corners to play those receivers all the time, which the Niners are just going to hide Debo and Ayuk in the slot, and they're going to avoid Bradbury and Slay. Um, but if when you're on the outside, you're winning those matchups, I think you're in a spot where the Niners now have to be so, so, so good in the running game. Kittle has to be like truly dominant game of his career if they're going to score enough points to keep pace with the Eagles. They need one of Debo, Ayuk. I would imagine it's going to be Debo. Uh, to have just like a, a, a huge game, to have a tackle-breaking game, to have a picking up third and longs, throws behind the sticks sort of game. Uh, and if you if you take that away, this this offense is going to – they're going to lose their centerpiece. They're going to lose that, that, that keystone that keeps the bridge together. Uh, I struggled with this one. I ended up going uh, – I think you might have convinced me, but I ended up going with Reddick 
versus McGlinchey, maybe because that's one that I see as very realistic, that like Sunday night we're going, oh my gosh, Reddick killed McGlinchey in high leverage situations, and that was a huge difference in the game. And so if he kills him, given what you have on the interior against the interior of their offensive line, uh, I think you have a really good chance to disrupt uh, and harass Brock Purdy throughout the course of that game. Uh, other thing, I have notes on the uh, death lineup here, Ben, I went through yeah. them again. Listen, the data suggests that the death lineup is overrated. I don't know if I don't know uh, if if it is or if it isn't. They could certainly have a, have plays out of that personnel grouping on Sunday where they make big plays. But if you look at it overall, uh, they are 42nd among 92 personnel groupings in EPA per play. That's among uh, groupings with at least 50 snaps. They're 38th in passing, 56th in rushing. Uh, there have been 17 personnel groupings with at least 50 rushing attempts this year. Uh, and their uh, you know, 21 personnel lineup there with those five guys would rank 10th at a rate, uh, a success rate of 41.4%. That would rank as a top 10 rushing team in the NFL, but it would be like outside the top five. I think it would be ninth. So uh, they could certainly have success running the football out of that grouping, but there are no numbers that really suggest that that grouping gives them an edge that their other groupings uh, don't give them or that this is on some type of tier that other groupings in the NFL are not on. Uh, yeah, so over the course of like, the full season's worth of data. I didn't realize just how much that one uh, game against the Seahawks was stacking up their their numbers. But that was yeah. the game where, to me, like you see it in the playoffs. You see, like they had, like I want to say, seventeen snaps in that in that particular set uh, in that game. And that's the game where, like, okay, it's your first playoff game. You see the way that that particular group works, and it's like, okay, this is very scary. Set like other than that one spike game, yeah, they've been about like a regular lineup. I. I'm still scared of that lineup in particular, just when you go like hurry up, no huddle and stuff like that. But I think I'll, I'll put it to you this way. It's not like if you take Kyle, you shook off the field and put Jawan Jennings on the field. I'm like, woohoo, we're out of the doghouse. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, they got four players you're scared of McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, and usually all four of them are on the field. If not three of the four are on the field. All the lineups become scary just in that context. The thing about the 21 personnel lineup that, that makes it particularly scary, and this is what you saw against the Seahawks, is just when, they're, when they uh, line up in a variety of formations, they line up in, 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 uh, and, and, and change their looks based off what they think they're getting from you. Right? Like they use those formations to spread the Seahawks out to pick on linebackers. That's the sort of thing where you watch that and you go, oh, that looks a lot like how the Eagles defense lines up against these formations and that's 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 where you start to get a little bit shaky right and that's why again like the first thing i'm gonna watch for first on uh, niners drive is when they walk out in in like two back one tight end or one back two tight end both of those being running personnel formations right we have we have two blockers and a guy to hand the ball off to how do the eagles match personnel i, I don't know the answer to this i, I like you know go back and you look at data They've done 5-2 stuff before. They've done 5-1 stuff before. It's kind of conditional on what, what the opponent does. And as you brought up, the Niners are pretty high run rate, but they're pretty high pass efficiency. And I would imagine Gannon leads towards stopping the pass, right? So they'll go like 5-1, and they'll have five defensive backs on the field. But that's that's the first thing to figure out is what personnel are they putting on the field when they get these run looks? Because if they match that 21 personnel, that, that 12 personnel, with two off-ball linebackers and five down defensive linemen, 
it's a huge signal to Kyle, like spread and pass out of this formation because you're going to be able to pick on, you're going to be able to pick on guys you want to pick on, Kaiser White, and you're going to, the Eagles are going to be very limited in what coverages they can run because they only have four defensive backs on the field, right? If they're in a five defensive line front, it means they have to drop one of Josh Sweater, Hassan Reddick into coverage. This is a dream for Shanahan, right? You're, you're kidding one of those guys out of the pass rush and he's got to be in, in the flat tackling Christian McCaffrey in space. Like, this is ideal. So I imagine they're going to try to be 5 1, and now you got to stop the run with a six man box. And that's that that this game is going to be decided by that right there. It's how do they match up against against run personnel from the Niners, 21 personnel, 12 personnel. And assuming they match with with pass stopping groups, which I imagine they will, because they're it's John Gannon, can they stop the run with those light boxes? If so, we're good. If not, we're bad. <laughs> uh, are you taking my Jordan Davis bone yet on, on uh Thursday or no? That he could have an impact on this game. I know. I think he can have an impact on this game. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think he's he's a key enough player, just because I think there's 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 enough ways to. Who knows a, a, how many snaps he's going to play? Yeah. yeah. And, and and the the Niners are just like if the Niners are struggling with the Eagles' interior, which is very likely, right? They have they have a not great guard center guard combo, and the Eagles have really good defensive tackles. They're just going to start throwing screens and start running toss and running outside zone with lead blocker. And like they, there's no team in the league that's better at going. Oh no, you've got a good nose tackle. What if we ignored him all game than the 49ers? Like that's just that's that's MO. That's one on one stuff. So Yeah. I think the four weapons uh is really the the big thing with Tebow, uh Kittle, Ayuk, and McCaffrey. I'm looking at the Eagle schedule and trying to figure out what was like the closest approximation to this. I mean, they have not faced a lot of teams that have had uh even two great two great weapons. I mean, Washington uh, had some guys, Minnesota early in the season, maybe, but my gosh, you're looking at like all these teams, New Orleans, the Giants, the Cowboys, the Bears, the Titans, the Packers, the Colts, the Texans. I mean, it, it really like no one was even close to the kind of, all right, you have to account for all these guys uh, that you have to, that, that problem that you have facing the 49ers. All right. Question number seven. Love this one. Brian says, set the line. 2017 Eagles come to the link or host the 2022 Eagles at the link. It's okay. You know, the fans are going to be the same. Uh, as constructed, each going in to the conference championship. Uh, I did some work ahead of this and have a number in my mind. So I want you to go first to see how close you are to uh, my number. Or, do you, or did you want me to give you some refreshers and some analysis first? You're young. You probably have it all in your head. I mean, I just went off of like, you know, what my gambling gut would tell me the line should be. I yeah. went with 2022 Eagles as the home team, too. So is that well, correct? I, I think that no, I, I mean, I think the stadium split because both of them played at home. I would assume they're playing on like a neutral site field. OK, I so give any wait, team question an 7B. If the 2017 field. Eagles are playing the 2022 Eagles and the link were full of Eagles fans, who, <laughs> what team would they be cheering for the most? <laughs> Gotta be the 2017 Eagles, I mean, right? What, what kind of question is that? I don't no, know. No, 2017 with the whole Nick Falls thing and with, with Wait, like, the winner. Wait, okay, well, no, this is a good question. So the winner gets to go to the Super Bowl and still play whoever comes out of the AFC this year. Is that no, it? No, 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 no context. If the 2017 <laughs> Eagles and the 2022 <laughs> Eagles were playing, and it was just which, which team are you rooting for to win? I think it would be 2017 team. Just because, like, the way, so. the way the team was. No, no it was like so I, many veterans. Like, Malcolm Jenkins have been around for forever, right? Like, yeah, but you'd be like, they already won a Super Bowl. We want this team to win the Super Bowl. We want another one. 
It's an impossible. You're playing yeah. mind games with me. I don't even know how to like uh, right. how to understand this question. But I'd anyway, make, well, I'd make the 2022 oh, Eagles three and a half point favorites. Oh, same exact number. As Bang! Me. Look at I us aligned. Like, zero work. It's just it's just in, intuition <laughs> of a degenerate sports gambler. See, I I actually had a lot of fun looking at this. So uh, the Eagles were three point underdogs against Case Keenum and that Vikings team in the NFC Championship game. Uh, the matchups up front, oh boy, that would just be like, you know, like O-line Twitter, D-line Twitter, if that's a thing. I mean, they would be salivating over these matchups between these two teams. I think it would be pretty close. However, man, yeah, the further out you go from the football, the more the edge shifts towards this 2022 team. You got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith versus Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby. You've got Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith against Darius Slay and James Bradbury. That is a big advantage uh, to the 2022 Eagles. Ertz and Aguilar, they're still going to be able to work the middle of the field against this uh, Eagles defense, no doubt about it. And then the big one, Benny Souls, is the health. I mean... This Eagles team, Maddox was limited yesterday, so let's assume that he's not going to play, although he could play. Uh, 21 of 22 starters are going to be on the field. Could be 22 starters. That Eagles team didn't have Jason Peters, didn't have Jordan Hicks, didn't have Darren Sproles. We forget now, didn't have Carson Wentz, which was you know looked at as a big deal uh, at the time. In hindsight, maybe not so much, so I think that's a big edge. And then the coaching to me was interesting. I'm giving the, listen, Doug is, has emerged as like one of the, the best big game coaches uh, in yeah. the NFL. Honestly, seriously, he has uh, over the last, uh, whatever it is, five, six years. So I, Sirianni, you got a little, there's a little prove it factor there. They were great last week, but the, in a big spot, I'm taking Doug over Sirianni. I'm taking Schwartz over Gannon uh, in a big spot in terms of specific game plan for this game. Uh, so I am taking the, uh, I think the 2022 Eagles are three and a half point favorites, but in my picks against the spread, I'm taking the 2017 Eagles to, uh, to cover there because that yeah. feels like a field goal game to me. Yeah, you'd be rooting for the 2017 Eagles. <laughs> you would be. <laughs> so there you go. That was a fun question. Good question, Brian. All right. Question number eight. Josh, what's more likely? We look back in five years and think this 49ers team was overrated or we think this Eagles team was overrated. What do you think? Well, it'll be whoever loses, right? <laughs> like it's Probably, it, yeah. it's a little bit of the of the of the prediction game, I think. Um I think we'll probably look back and say this Niners team was overrated cuz we'll say that Brock Purdy was overrated. Yeah. Uh, cuz if in 5 years Brock Purdy is starting I mean, maybe. I don't know. Who am I to say at this point? Guys, 8-0 and when he's in the NFC Championship game, but I'd be surprised. Uh, and so I would imagine it will be Niners for that reason. Uh, yeah, but it's... um, I don't think we're going to look back too much and, like, you know, all teams that are in the playoffs five years later look like they were overrated because they were in the playoffs and then they didn't make it and we forget just how good those teams were and how close they were to making it. You know what I mean? Yeah, if I mean, I mean, the bottom line is, if we're looking at this point going into this game, 
it's not like either team doesn't deserve to be here. Niners have outscored opponents by 198 points. That's best in the NFL. Eagles by 164 points. That is second in the NFL. Niners are second in overall DVOA. Eagles are third in overall uh, DVOA. These are two of the three teams that rank in the top five in both offensive and defensive efficiency. So anything on the resume in terms of body of work, both suggest that these are the two teams that should be playing in the NFC Championship game. I'm with you. If we look, if Purdy doesn't have a you know good career going forward or is not a starter going forward, then you know you'll look back and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe people were worried that Brock Purdy was going to go into the link and beat the Eagles. But we don't know that right now, so we just go with the body of work that we have. All right, Cliff, I got to call you up for this one. Question number nine, Banjo at, says, big birds fan, grew up near Philly, moved to San Francisco 25 years ago, 12-year-old 12, 12 son, uh, Kavan, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Kavan, born in San Francisco, but diehard birds fan, all right, and uh, and pod fan, he said. So shout out to Kavan. Thank you for listening to the Philly special. Now grab your, you know, if you have friends, uh, well, 12 years old, what's that, probably sixth grade? You know, yeah. they, they got phones at that time. Grab their phones when they're not looking. Just do a little download, Ringer's Philly special, put it back on their desk. Don't worry, teachers aren't going to catch you. Let's make sure we get these uh, numbers up. Uh, son Kavan has never been to Philly, but diehard birds fan. Club, there's a lot of pressure on you for this one, my man. They're flying <laughs> to the game this weekend they need recommendations from cliff on where to take kavan for cheesesteaks pizza whatever uh cliff i texted you this one and we don't have all the details but let's assume that they're staying somewhere downtown or south philly-ish uh and obviously they're going to the game so they'll be in south philly so don't send them you know 10 miles away uh somewhere to get food and the exercise i gave you cliff was again we don't know when they're flying in let's assume they need a saturday lunch a saturday dinner and a Sunday lunch. I didn't give you Sunday breakfast. If you have something in there, go ahead. If not, we don't need to do that Sunday breakfast, but uh, okay. Sunday lunch is probably fine. Where are you sending them, Cliff? The pressure's on. This, there's no pressure on this one. This, this is easy. <laughs> All right. It's a simple answer, Show. Where does every tourist slash people who actually love coming to Philly go to? When they're, you know, downtown, uh, you know, if they're in Chinatown, where do they go? Reading Terminal? Thank you. There's yeah, so okay. many... There's okay. so many different options inside Reading Terminal, and there's two things I you like have that. to try. There's two things you have to try if you're going there for lunch, right? If you're going there, you have to get at the Knicks Roast Pork. Like, that might be the best food in the city overall. Yeah, Straight agreed. up. I, and, and it is a very touristy thing to say, but the, the locals love it. I love it. Every, I've probably had it, like, twice in my lifetime, and it, the quality— Only twice? Yeah. I, I'm I mean, surprised I didn't know that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I didn't like grow up like down, you know, near like yeah, Chinatown, I gotcha. downtown in that uh, area. So it is I thought you were going to say bit. I've had it like 700 times in my nah, life. No, 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 no. Okay. no the, only, the only thing I've had like maybe 700 times is the crab fries. Like that, every okay, time I yes. go down to any type of stadium event or Xfinity Live, I have to get the crab fries with the bucket. You're speaking cheese. my dad's language, man. I, I think that's the only reason he likes attending games in person. They have legitimately never failed me, ever. <laughs> so you got to get to the Knicks Rose Port. That's one. And for sure, there's a cheese stick spot in there, too, that a lot of people like. Um, I tried it one time. I liked it a lot, too. It's, I think it's called, like, Spataros or something like that. I'm, I hope I'm not butchering the name. But okay. definitely go there. If you come in there for lunch, go to Spataros. Now, here's a, a, a pizza recommendation that I'll have for you. You have to go to Angelo's. Angelo's is that cheese steak spot, too, that I told you is probably top three in the city. But they're probably the best pizza in that area, in that lower 
portion of the city, anything after City Hall and down, going towards South Philly. So I'll give Santucci's a shout out. Santucci's, uh, yeah, yeah, there also, out. which I enjoy. Shout out to Santucci's as well. That's a good. That's a very good establishment. But Angelos is killing it right now, man. They got the pizza. They got the cheese sticks. <laughs> Everybody should go there. It's it's so good. Anytime I pull up to the city, I'll go over there. My friend lives right down in South Philly, right near Washington. So we'll make the little trip up there to Bella Vista and go to Angelos and grab something. Lines aren't super crazy during the day. So definitely recommend that. Now, dinner time, there's a couple different spots that I like in Philly. Crown and Heart, super good. Or Saloon is an Italian spot down there, too. You got to grab. I've, gotta, had, I've had there. Yeah, absolutely. Fire, fire, super fire. So definitely go there for dinner. Um, now, if you want to go to a Sunday brunches type of thing, I love Elvez. That's, you know, it might be too much for, for young Kavan to go in there because they get a little <laughs> hectic in there. But uh, I, I like <laughs> I like I like Elvez a lot. That's a good spot. Um, there's a there's another lunch spot that I would recommend. I'd say if you want to go to cheesesteak route again, if you're in that lower portion of the city, I would say go to Steve's because I think it's on like 17th, like right near Love Park. It's like not too far from Love Park, 17th and I want to say Chestnut or something like that. So go to go to Steve's if you need another cheesesteak spot on that lower portion of the city or go to South Street if you're feeling a little bit frisky and you want to, you know, kind of get that little more touristy. South Street is always a don't go there. Don't don't go to South Street during Saturday night. Whatever you do, avoid South yeah. Street Saturday night. It gets hectic over there. It gets not reckless over there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not with a young kid over there. <laughs> I do not recommend that. So go to if you if you can get there in the afternoon, go to Jim's. I hope Jim's is doing good. I think they got their spot back up. Or go to Ishka Bibbles, which is right across the street, and try yeah. two different cheesesteaks while you are in the city because you live all the way across the country. So why not just get two in one weekend, right? When I lived in the city, I would get my hair cut on South Street at the chop shop. And yep. like you go, I had no idea what my hair was going to look like when I came out there. It was just an experience. You're like, I'm going in. Let's see what happens. We'll see what I look like uh, afterwards after I get my hair cut there. Listen, I'm looking at the weather here. It's going to be a nice day. It looks like high of 50, low of 34 on Sunday. I would also say for that lunch Sunday, you know, maybe you do a little, like you said, do a little breakfast, do a little brunch. Then you stop by Pasta Fischio's. On your way to the great game, pick up some sandwiches. You can bring them in the game. You can eat them in the parking lot. You know, get inside the stadium early. You don't want to feel pressured that oh my god, these security lines that we're gonna miss intro. You want remember that 2017 NFC Championship game? What was the moment? that everyone remembers is when the players are on the field in warmups and dreams and nightmares yeah, is playing yeah, and you're yeah. going, this game's oh. over. Like you don't <laughs> want to miss a moment like that. So get into the stadium early. It's going to be a nice day. Like you're not worried about being outside for too long. Uh, it's not going to be snowing. It's not going to be raining. It's not going to be freezing. So that's also a nice option. Grab some of that food to go and then take it into the stadium. For sure. And that game starts at three. So just go around the parking lots. There's a there's gonna yeah. be a ton of food. Take there. it in. Absolutely. Everybody, yo, everybody so is so friendly over there. They will give you anything. They will give you any sort of alcohol you want. Any like, people grilling out there all morning long. It's probably gonna be open, I would assume. The parking lot probably opens at what, you know, eleven, probably, right? Yeah. Sounds about right. So the parking lot's probably open at eleven. People are gonna be grilling. There'll be food ready by noon. Go to the parking lot and just talk to people. Trust me, everybody will be lathered up and friendly enough to give you some food if you ask for it. Trust me. You know what Go we there need, Cliff? and do that. Yeah. 
we need some Ringer Philly special swag so that like in this situation, they could just yeah. put on their Ringer Philly special swag, show up in the parking lot, and then the millions of listeners could go, oh, wait, you're Kavan? Oh my God, come over here. I got something for you. So by next year, by the time next year's playoffs roll around, uh, let's we'll have that set up. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just drop both of y'all names wherever I go now because everybody loves y'all. So We're I'm dropping just your name. name. What are you talking yeah, I'm about? Dropping both, I'm dropping both of y'all names, and I'll get a pass anywhere I go. And say, oh, you know Shield? Oh, you know Ben? Yeah, yeah, those are my guys. I would, I would, I would, I would start with Shield, and I would hit Shield a few <laughs> times. And if Shield's not working, then maybe you drop Ben. But I would not drop, open with Ben. I'm, I'm dropping y'all names. Cliff. I'm dropping y'all names, and I'm going I'm to be good anywhere I go. I won't even have to pay for anything. I'll be great, right? All right, that was fantastic. Cliff comes through as always. He, he's uh, hitting a hundred percent of these uh, questions. I love. I love that we do. We can just hand these over. To, it's too much pressure. If I had to answer that question, I would be worried I'm going to screw it up. Like I texted Cliff yesterday. He's like, "Easy, got this." To ten seconds later, so he had that. All right, moment of truth, baby. Game predictions. Benny Souls, you were a little nervous earlier in the week. You've been high on this Niners team. You've done the work all week. You know everything about both teams. Where is your head at? What is your prediction going into this game? Eagles are two and a half point favorites. What do you got? Week 10, I would have told you the Niners are winning this game. I would have set it up until about Tuesday. Eagles are winning it, I think. Uh, more I've done prep on the game, the more I think the Eagles' uh, ability to run the football handoffs and keeping Jalen Hurts is just a, is a substantial advantage in this one. Uh, I also think they have the ability to win in the passing game when they're forced to stop. I think that's going to be a little bit more of a mixed bag in that regard. Um, but they have the, uh, the this Niners team's been giving up deep passes to outside receivers. It's honestly, it's Eagles are pretty well suited to handling this Niners team. The, it wasn't so much true in the middle point of the season, but with how they've changed and how the Eagles offense has changed um, with Hurts presumably being healthy enough, you know, the, the shoulder is still like, you know, He's clearly less than 100%, but he's, he's playing at full capacity. He's playing the, the style he used to play. I think they're going to run the football extremely well. I think they're going to win it. There's going to be a lot of points. Uh, the con, the con, Yeah, the consensus pick that I've seen is that there's not going to be a lot of points. I disagree with that. I think there's going to be points. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, like I said, quiet in the first quarter. Like, I won't be taking the over pre-game but if we end the first quarter zero three i'll take it because i think there's going to be a feeling out process it's going to be a, how are they matching us what personnel that we get and can we run the football on these guys and then if and then things open up after that once the kind of the, the things are established so uh to me it's like you know eagles 31 30 to me it's like eagles just wow. yeah eagles like eagles 31 30 31 28 i think this is the sort of game we're looking at well hold on you get i mean those are we got a two and a half point spread so i need something concrete no, no, no. uh for the people no, no, uh, no spread. I'm not touching the spread. Uh, I think. All right. Like so you're said, saying don't touch yeah. the spread, but if you had to predict, because you got to give one final score. Yeah. That way, if it hits perfectly, we could point to it afterwards. Mm-hmm. So which one are you going with? Uh, I'll go 31 30. Uh, I, okay. I took Niners in the beginning of the week in anticipation that the line would move towards the Niners and that I would still like the Niners. Lines move toward the Eagles and it turns out I like the Eagles. That's the danger of taking early lines. But this is a game where I don't want to touch too much spread, too much money line. But I do think we're going to get points. Uh, and yeah, I'll take Eagles 31 to 30. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one. These are very 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 good teams. But the Eagles are are suited for this matchup, especially when they hold the football. Such that I think they score enough points to win the game. I think Cliff's telling me you do you have a same game parlay yeah. that you're supposed to share here. What do you got? 
Cliff, am I supposed to share it right now? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I don't no, know no, if it no, was no. after or during this. I see, sure, come on. You should know this by now. You should know the operation <laughs> by now. So then, obviously, you just tell the people that you have an SGP coming out. Yes. And then Fando will make a nice fancy graphic for the people and, and you'll you'll win people the money, right? Yeah, they call Shield professional, man. This is ridiculous. I will say <laughs> no, that. No one does yeah, that. The Giants Eagles uh, parlay missed, but they didn't let me put Boston Scott anytime touchdown in it because it made the odds too long. I had to put Miles Sanders mm-hmm. in there instead. This is how they get you, brother, but we'll, we'll get him this time. All right, so look look for that from Benny Souls. All right, I'm looking at this matchup. I was thinking about this earlier today. I don't know that during my lifetime in a big game like this, I felt better about the Eagles quarterback coming through in a big spot. That is going to sound wild to say. Donovan McNabb was a great quarterback for a long time. We know what Nick Foles did during that Super Bowl run. I feel like Jalen Hurts... Obviously, the history, a little bit checkered in big games. You have the natty where he gets pulled for Tua. You have last year's Bucks game. I think he's built for this moment. I don't think he failed in those situations because it was anything mental. I think he had some limitations as a player. I think he's worked on those limitations. I think he's built for this moment. I think he's prepared for this moment. I think he's going to come through in a big way. I think the Eagles are going to have success outside the numbers with their wide receivers. I think their offensive line is going to play really well in this game. And I think defensively, while I will not discredit the 49ers offense, all the numbers are there. What is the thing that happens when a great offense gets slowed down in the playoffs? It's that the opposing pass rush just absolutely wins and the opposing D-line absolutely wins that battle. And all those plays, all those motions, all those shifts, all those game plan type things that Kyle Shanahan schemes up are moot because Brock Purdy is getting hit play after play after play. I think that's going to happen in this football game. Listen, I was tempted to to really go big with an Eagles blowout here. I'll be honest, I usually don't have a feel like this, so maybe this is bad news for Eagles fans. I kind of feel like we were the like Eagles fans are confident this week. I feel pretty good about the Eagles winning this game. Could there be turnovers or a special teams miscue that swings it in the Niners' favor? Absolutely. I don't think the Eagles are going to get outplayed in this game, snap to snap, start to finish. So I am going Eagles. 26, 49ers, 14 in this game. I think the Eagles win by double digits and go to the Super Bowl to face the Cincinnati Bengals in two weeks. So that is my pick for this game. All right. It'd be nice. Marathon pod. You want a little stress-free? Do you want a little stress-free or do you want like a classic where you get like a last-second field goal? If I know the Eagles are winning, give me a classic. If I don't know the Eagles are winning, give me (laughs) stress-free. Yeah, that's, I don't think that's how it works. Yeah. I can't tell you that for sure. All right. This was fun. Thank you to everyone who's listened this week. Lots of hours of podcasts on the Philly special feed. Make sure to uh, rate, review, subscribe. Do all those good things. Tell your friends. Kavan's going to go grab his uh, his friend's cell phones and download the podcast on there. We will be back either way to talk about it. It will either be, hey, let's talk about uh, the Super Bowl matchup and we'll have a bunch of pods in the next two weeks or we'll be talking about how could the Eagles have lost this game? Who is going to live in infamy uh, on this team because of this performance for years to come? Fun either way. All right, thanks to Cliff Augustine for producing. Thank you to Benjamin Solak. We will talk to everybody on Sunday night on the Ringers Philly Special. 